Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 874. Success lies on building on our failures, so never ever stop trying and recognize that success comes after many, many failures. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am a revved up and so excited to talk to a very special guest today, calling in all the way from South Africa, Andre Bazenanot. Andre, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? Oh, yes, man. Bring it on. I'm ready. All right. Andre Bazenanot is an avid Porsche enthusiast, just like me, who's been collecting, racing, and admiring Porsche for over four decades now. His career is that as a barrister in Johannesburg, South Africa. And he's practiced law his entire adult life. It was this time as a child visiting Kailami. Am I saying that right, Kailami? Absolutely, Kailami. Kailami, okay, there we go. Get my South African dialect going a little bit better here this morning. And watching Derek Bell, David Piper, Dave Charlton, and other racers that ignited his passion for cars. He's been involved in the Porsche Club Motorsports South Africa and is the president of the National Court of Appeals of Motorsports South Africa. Andre has raced extensively as an amateur over the years, and he is currently on an epic world tour in his 911 TR and should someday soon be here in the U.S. to attend some of the classic car events we have over here. So, Andre, I have told our listeners just a tiny bit about you. Would you take a brief moment share a little bit more about your career, your life, and a very obvious passion for automobiles? Well, you know, uh, I grew up in the golden age of motoring, if one can call it like that. I think every age does the same. They think that their generation is the most important. But if I look back at motoring, you know, the 60s and the 70s were those iconic years where um, at Kailami, as you said, as a nine-year-old boy, my father took me to Kailami and uh, I stood on the outside of what was called the kink. It was taken flat out by the likes of Derek Bell and Nicks and I looked at these guys and I just thought these were gladiators. You know, in my young mind at the time, it created an impression of heroes to me. And it's something that stayed with me my whole life. I think as adults um, and as children, we, we are influenced by heroes. And those guys became my heroes. And as life developed on, I started understanding a little bit more about life. And I saw that uh, it takes not only a hell of a lot of balls to drive a car meticulously well, but... You know, normally the successful drivers have amazing skills in other fields. They become competent people all around, family men and women. And uh, I made them my heroes, and I started reading about them. I started uh, living the life of motoring, and uh, I've met amazing people over the years. So to me, it's been an amazing journey that influenced every part of my life. Very well said. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. These people are heroes, but they're also successful in so many parts of their lives. And that's what helps them be so successful in racing, because you've got to be pretty disciplined to do what some of these gentlemen you mentioned are doing. Well, as we continue on your journey, I always like to start with a success quote or a mantra. This is something that has some importance and value to you. And it's a nice way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars. Yeah. So, Andre, take the wheel. Look, I think we get one shot at life. Um, we have to make the best of it. And I think we sometimes look at life so much only at, as the successes. 
I look at it a little bit differently. I say all those failures, you know, contribute to make us what we are. And in a funny way, if we disregard the failures, you sit with pictures of people that uh, that are so so indifferent. I met an artist not so long ago, and he wanted to sell me the final product which he painted, and he uh, and he was surprised to hear that I actually wanted some of these sculptures which were incomplete, and that were failures. And I said to him, "Look, all of them have built together, you know, to put you in a position to do something magnificently. Not all of us are Picassos, and uh, to me." Success lies on building on our failures. So never, ever stop trying and recognize that, you know, success comes after many, many failures. So that's the way that I approach life. Very well said. I think uh, those wise words of wisdom could help many, many people that dwell far too much on their failures and let those things beat them down rather than encourage them to move forward and so forth. So I love that. Great way to go through life. Well, let's go back in time. You talked about being at those races and having that inspiration of those drivers and those cars. I would love to hear a story that instigated your passion for cars. Is there a pivotal moment in your life when you realized that you indeed were a car guy? As I said, you know, I grew up in, in quite a poor circumstance, um, very middle-aged or income bracket at the time, and uh, we didn't have it wide. So the odd occasion that we did leave the little town in which we were living were really memorable to us. But my father um, took us by Lamy, um, my brother and I. And as I said, that moment of standing next to the racetrack and realizing that racing was so much more, it attracted so many more things. It stuck in my mind, and as I went through high school and landed at university, I always followed with the limited means. I mean, television at the time was not uh, broadly utilized in South Africa. I think we only got TV in 1976, if I recall correctly, but I always followed motorsport. The moment for me was on that evening when they were going towards the ninth hour and they were coming down at 220-odd miles an hour and when the celebration started and you saw these people, you know, the almost out-of-body experience that they had, it stuck with me. And uh, when I started my, my career in law, I was fortunate enough to meet somebody who was racing in the Porsche Club. And I got involved in that category to, to get a little uh, Opel Cadet. And that Opel Cadet then uh, stayed with me and I participated in events of the Porsche Club you know, that was really designed for Porsches, but they were happy enough to receive a junior, shall I call it a junior, junior petrol head like me, and they fostered the talent that I had. Well, the rest of it is history. I became involved in all different types of motorsport thereafter. So taking it back to the moment, it was a 1969 standing at that fence. No doubt. And you, you touched on a really golden nugget here, and that is get involved with a car club. If you want to learn about a car, learn about people involved in car clubs, get involved with a car club because almost every car club I've been a part of, they embrace you. They bring you in. They help you. You can get guidance, help. Even if you don't own a car or a mark that belongs to that club, almost every club will let you join. And you can participate. You can donate your time to help. Go to a racetrack. Be a corner worker. And that gets you involved in all of that. And eventually, those folks will steer you in the right direction, no doubt. Well, you talked about in um, the opening here about embracing failure. So I'd love for you to take us down one of those roads where you had a huge failure or a big, big challenge in your life, your career, something having to do with cars or whatever you want to talk about. But of course, the most important thing here that you emphasize is what do these things teach us? How do they mold our character? So kind of take us to that point in time and tell us how that experience helped you 
gain even more momentum in your life? Yeah. Look, I think 1993, 1994 was uh, one of those moments. I will share two moments. The one is the car that I'm driving at the moment in New Zealand doing this little bit of a sabbatical. It's a Porsche 911 TR, 1969 model. Um, I built the car in the nine, in 1993 as a racing car. I was leading a race at Kailami, and I got ahead of myself. Um, I crashed the car to pieces, almost killed myself. The car disappeared out of my life. It was rebuilt as a road car, and I found that car back a, about a year and a half ago now, two years ago, and I had the opportunity of rebuilding it into a touring car. And if you look at the Frisco car that you've seen in photographs, yes. you know, that car yes. now travels the world. And uh, Cordlandi and I, my wife, we use the car as a rental car throughout the world. So instead of renting a car and there's no inspiration with the greatest of respect driving a new model, whether it's a Chrysler mm-hmm. or a Mercedes-Benz or a whatever category it is, we drive a 1969 Porsche 911 with a roof rack on. And that car storyline because it was a failure of me to crash the car um, in circumstances that I I could have avoided it. I was just driving too fast outside the limits and it taught me a hell of a lesson. And that is in that one moment that you have a crash, I think you never ever forget it and you consistently thereafter play it over and over in your mind. And you know, all those failures, as I said before, without repeating it, if one puts it into context and you can identify why you you made that failure and don't blame it on anything else, look at it real. And from that moment, you know, things change. So that was a moment in motoring for me. A funny moment was in the 2000, I think it was 2001, 2002, a friend of mine and uh, myself, we did the London to Sydney Marathon, also in a Porsche. We went from the UK, went through France, Eventually ended up in Italy, and at about 8 o'clock at night, my friend crashed the car on a special stage. Uh-oh. Where the left rear of a Porsche 911 switch arm, short wheelbase, and the rest of the crowd went on to Genova, and we were stuck next to the road. A wonderful Italian lady who owned a panel-beating shop found us there, and she recovered the vehicle for us. And so start the attempt to get a short um, swing arm of a 1970s or late 60s car in the middle of rural Italy. Now, the Porsche is now damaged. We're standing next to the road. The panel-beating owner lady speaks only Italian, picks us up, takes us to the workshop, and so starts our search for a short swing arm on a Porsche 911. And I compared that to getting the IBM mainframe part of 1968 somewhere in rural Africa. It's almost impossible to do it. So, by one o'clock in the morning, she speaking over the telephone in Italian, and the next moment she showed with her hand, she showed short or long, and I went short, and she went thumbs up. Long story short, an hour later arrived a gentleman with a rusted swing arm. We fitted it. They helped us with it, and then we had to get onto the main highway to get to Genova the next morning because if you don't start the race at 7 o'clock in the morning with the next leg, you're out. Any event, we started the 65th that day and uh, some 24 days later, we finished, if I recall correctly, in 6th place in the London to Sydney. We drove into the Sydney Harbour. My son was there to give me a hug. Um, it was an amazing achievement. I mean, the camaraderie and as you spoke about, you know, just the environment of people getting together, that type of encouragement never to give up was something that 
um, it'll stay with me forever. And I shared it with people and they look at it and they're actually inspired by it. Wow. What an awesome story. I mean, that is so cool. It is a testament to kind people and enthusiasts and the fact that no matter where you are in the world, you can find somebody that will help you and uh, help you get to the uh, the end of that event. I mean, that's absolutely spectacular. And I've heard this kind of thing from many people who do tours and rallies around the world. They encounter people who will stay up all night and help them and get them back on the road. And it's just awesome, awesome story. Car people yeah are wonderful people. Well, let's shift here. Let's say let's shift gears and go to a career aha moment or a moment in your life when you had an enlightening, I guess, of some kind when those headlights kind of illuminated your way down the right path. Kind of take us to one of your aha moments. Look, Mark, as a young barrister, you know, the law is ruthless. Um, when you start off your career, you've got the shining lights in your eye. And when you start off, you know so little. But it's an amazing profession, and um, over the years, the people that I've engaged with, whether it was clients, colleagues, prosecutors, magistrates, I think the moment that the lights went on for me was actually quite early on in my career to know that the only limitation that one has is really your ability. And in a South African context, you know, which I think in America nowadays, it's also very prevalent talks about racism and opportunities and equal opportunities and that type of thing. You know, what people, what normal people are asking for is nothing more than equal opportunity. And at the end of the day, let's not talk racism here, but if you have an equal opportunity, and that's what we do in our chambers, then your only ability um, or the only limitation is your ability. And, and I think the lights went on for me when I realized it's up to me to make a difference. You have your limitations, we don't have a right all to become um, an Einstein. We don't necessarily have all the skills in the world to all become a Bill Gates or a Charlize Theron. <laughs> but in our own way, if we do the right thing, we consistently try. Look at Trevor Noah now. You know, South African, all of him. Just look what amazing platform he's built for himself. And we're so proud of him. So bottom line is, is the light went up for me when I realized it's up to me to make a difference to myself and to other people. And the buck actually stops. You know, it's such an old slogan, but the buck stops with you. Well said. Well said for sure. Very nice. Well, let's talk about a proudest career or life moment. I would assume you've had many throughout your career, throughout your life, all these adventures that you, you go on with your automobiles and so forth. Is there one that stands out you would like to share today? From an automotive point of view, last year, the wonderful opportunity of driving a Formula One car up a hill climb. Now, normally Formula One cars are meant for serious professional drivers. I'm an amateur. I've always had the dream of having a Formula One car, but I obtained it. It's a Delara from 89. I drove it up the Jaguar Samola hill climb, as it's called, the premier hill climb in South Africa. And I was lucky enough to break the all-time record and uh, to run it up faultlessly up the uh, hill climb. And it was an amazing experience because to drive a Formula One car Still a stick shift, you know, one, two, three, four, five, six. To run it up and not miss a gear and to get it as best as what I could was, was an amazing achievement to me. So automotive, that's the one. And in business life and everything else, uh, we established our chambers some 12 years ago. And we now have approximately 70 advocates of color, um, mostly of color, 80% black and colored advocates practicing here. And they make a tremendous contribution to legal life in South Africa. And 
We train lawyers. We believe that uh, to get good judges, you need good advocates, barristers. We call them advocates. And we have a wonderful training school here, and we participate day-to-day, shoulder-to-shoulder in Johannesburg CPD. And uh, if any one of your listeners ever come to South Africa, they've got an interest in, uh, in law, please drop by. And uh, we will be happy to receive them here. Apart from the car stories, we're happy to share law and just share everyday life with them. So I think those are, the, those are two of the meaningful moments. Well, congratulations on what you're doing in your business. is tremendous. But let's get back to this car because this is cars, yeah, we're talking about here. So my goodness, jumping into a car like that, doing a hill climb. Hill climbs, I've done some of those. And you got to be very careful because they're not racetracks. There's a lot of opportunity for errors and catastrophic errors and so forth. So as you took that on, I would assume you drove the car a bit before. You didn't jump in that car and go climb or go racing up a hill. But if there's one thing that really sticks in your mind about that experience in that car, an F1 car and that F1 car, what would it be? You know, if you listen to the uh, to one of the interviews of Senna where he talks about almost getting tunnel vision and very little actually attracts your attention and it goes very quiet in your mind. I've had the car for about 12 years. Um, I have raced it in South Africa and I drive it about four times a year to keep everything going and make it uh, you know, still usable. But I think the amazing thing is that the engineering, you know, everything is so precise. So to actually hit the sweet spot, get the apexes right and to run it up the hill, as you say, hill climbs do not have a hell of a lot of safety barriers and things like that. To actually get it right is such a fulfilling moment. Um, and I think we had six runs during the weekend. Um, in every one of them, they were a little bit better and better and better. And ultimately, the best one for me, luckily, was the final one. So it's hitting that sweet spot where you hold your breath. Um, and, and people ask me, how was it? I was scared. That's the reality. <laughs> you know, as you go up the moment before, you say, what the hell am I doing here? And when you stop, that moment, which I saw as a nine-year-old boy, when X got out of the car and they they were ecstatic, almost out of body experience, I experienced the same thing. That was, you know, just an amazing amazing achievement. And I hope that every automotive competitor will experience a moment like that, whether it's a slalom win, autocross, whatever it is, at different levels. You know, you get that moment and you come back for more. You know, very well said. I raced vintage cars for about 12 years, and every once in a while, I'd have a lap where at the end of that, I'd just go, whoa, I did everything I think as best I could possibly do. There were no no problems anywhere, although all the other laps, there was always a problem somewhere. You'd go, ah, man, why did I do that, or I missed that, or whatever it might be. So yes. very well said. Wow, what a wonderful experience. Well, let's go back in time and talk about your first really special vehicle and maybe share a memory you have about that car or bike, whatever it might have been. I think it's the Porsche 911 TR. It's the one that uh, we're doing the cruise in the world with. So in the early 1990s, um, I laid my hands on this car. We then started modifying it. I got involved in racing. And ultimately, it was a Class A front-running car. And I was leading the race at Kailami, as I said. Now, the car at the time was completely stripped out, and it was a racer. And it was a wonderful, beautiful car. But as I said, you know, I crashed it to pieces, broke the engine out of the chassis, and uh, and it became a road car and, I must say, quite an average road car. A few years ago, or not a few years ago, about a year ago, when uh, somebody found out that I've actually rebuilt the car, they then 
contacted me and told me that they drove the car as a road car. And they were actually very complimentary about it. But that's another story in itself. So when I found it back again now, it was lurking in the corner of a collector's big collection, 150 cars. And I looked at the car and it had a little sticker on it on the window. I recognized it and I said, what is that? He said, no, that's just a project for the long term. It's virtually throw away. So I walked up to the car and I said to the gentleman, he's a friend of mine, I said, Wayne, I'm going to open the door. And if the door goes clack, just after I've said it, this is my old car. So I took the door, opened it up, and there was this moment silent and I said clack. And then I pulled the door and it went clack because we could never get that noise out of it because it was completely bent. And Wayne looked at me, he said, it's my car. I said, yes. I said, I want to buy it. He said, it's not for sale. Now, luckily, Wayne was interested in another car, which I had, and we did a deal on that. So we took the car and meticulously now restored um, into a touring Porsche 911. And you've seen it. It's a very interesting green color. It's almost a military color. People ask me, where does the color come from? I looked at a new Wrangler color, which they had. We added a little bit of personal touch to it. There's a shimmer of silver in it. And the car came out um, in, shall I call it a dark green type of military style. And we put Porsche in orange and, you know, um, Magnus Walker and the whole Porsche movement as to an outlaw has done such fantastic things again that people, you know, sing and, and people actually do what they want for the cars. They can personalize it a little bit and use it. So I decided at the end of last year that we're going to take the sabbatical and we then took a car and rebuilt it into a touring car. And the intention is whether to do the Targa Tasmania next year in, in Australia, because I've never done that event. And the car was built. It's not a racing car now. It's got a 2.7 engine, you know, quite moderately um, spring. It's comfortable. doesn't have an air con. So it's a fantastic car. And if I have to pick one car, that's my first special car because I raced it. I crashed it. I've learned the lessons in it. I then restored it, and, you know, I now use it every day whenever we travel abroad. Oh, man, what a wonderful story. Man, you pulled me in on that one. (laughs) I had a 72 911S, and when you shut that door, it made this ping sound that I only have heard a few other times on older Porsches. And you're right. I love when you were telling the story about the clack, you know, the sound that it made. So, yeah, it was definitely meant to be back in your garage. Well, how about a car you've let go that you wish you had back? Is there a seller's remorse story in your life? Look, you have interviewed 874 people. I don't want to claim the biggest idiot (laughs) and the wooden spoon here, but we've all had those moments. But, uh, I've had a real stupid one. Um, you know, the, the famous George Lewis, the American um, George Lewis yellow car. Yes. Fitzpatrick. Yes. That 935 belonged to me. Um, in a moment of utter madness, I think the car won 185 international races. I owned it. And uh, what shall I say? My, uh, my, my first wife was not necessarily a petrolhead woman. She didn't like that part of my life and uh, I, I thought I'm going to save my marriage uh-huh. and uh, and I sold the car well needless to say I made a very big mistake so the car went and I regret that forever but luckily the car's with a friend of mine with the name of Mark de Siebenthal in Switzerland so I still see the car, I've given them all the support in the background and it now belongs to somebody else but man that was a special car um, a 935 with 650 horsepower 
it's no longer mine, but at least I know where it is. I can go and touch it. I can smell it. And uh, it makes it a little bit easier. Well, yeah, it's always great when you know where your car is. I had to let my 72S go, and I do know where that car is. And right now it's for actually for sale, but what they want for it is uh, some crazy number. So I'm not going to be buying it back. But, you know, we all have those stories. And I always tell people, but you had time with that car. And that's the most important thing. So you did get to experience. And that's a pretty rare thing, especially a car like that. Oh, my gosh. So, well, let's move on to something a little more fun so that I don't get the tears flowing down out of your eyes. Too much. Well, tell us a little bit more about this tour that you're taking. I mean, uh, this is really spectacular. And I love the concept that you bring your own rental car, something very special for you. So tell us more about this kind of worldwide tour and all these things. So. You know, through the connectivity in the uh, motoring world and in the Porsche Club, um, I've had quite an international connectivity with uh, friends and uh, enthusiasts before. But uh, when I I got married last year in December, um, and I said to Cordlandi, my wife, um, let's go and do a few countries that we haven't done before. And we're actually researching, we joined it up with a research project about, um, I'm keenly interested in heritage sites. So something like Rock in Australia um, or Milford Sound in New Zealand and places like that attract, you know, my attention. So we registered a little project for ourselves. We look at racetracks and uh, current status of racetracks and, you know, what is best practice in the world. And Corlandi is a foodie of note. Um, so uh, she's very successful in her career as a businesswoman. So we decided to ship the car. And to use it to travel. And the interesting thing is, and this is the amazing part, Mark, you know, why do you have a show? And why does people receive me? It's because the community of most parties is so large. It's so unique. It's so loyal. Yes, we may fight like hell on the track. But man, afterwards, we always drink a beer. And we have a glass of milk together, whatever it is. And when we started traveling, simply send a note out to say we're on our way to Auckland or Wellington or Sydney, and suddenly the communication from the other side just started coming in. And I had an experience, for example, in Adelaide where we stopped at a cars and coffee meeting. Suddenly there was 150 people knowing the name Frisco, which is the little name that I use, a story for itself again, and they all knew about the car and they wanted to talk car. And at the time, one of the window winders were broken, and a guy actually took his window winder off he gave it to me as a present. He said, please put it on your car. I said, man, but you can't do that. He said, I am in my own country. I can find one within a day. The generosity that I've seen that are so well known to us in the industry. We all help each other. You know, on the long distance rally, everybody will help you to the next stage. That camaraderie is amazing. And we share it with people. I mean, people follow us on it. Um, I'm not a social media guy at all, uh, but now we're on Instagram and there's thousands of people talking to us on a daily basis. And the wonderful yeah. thing is we can talk to people like you and, and the likes of a Magnus or, you know, those people that's got huge followings. And actually interested in what we're doing. So we're talking the automotive language and uh, we're visiting those fantastic places to share our story with them and doing a little bit of research and, uh, and exchange information. And I think we, uh, we're enjoying it so much more fun than just driving the rental car and actually have nothing to do except having a bit of fun there. 
Absolutely. Well, you're creating a uh, experience for others who maybe can't do this or maybe thinking about doing this. And there are several people that I follow on social media that do this kind of thing. And even a young couple I follow in Australia, and they're sailing around the world and they document their sailing. And every Monday they put a video up of where they are. They're in Corsica this week. And so it's a little bit of an escape for people who can't go there and be there. And the best thing is that people like you and the Sailing La Vagabond, I'll throw that little uh, pitch out for those two young folks, is uh, it's a chance for the rest of us to kind of see what other people are doing. And this connectivity you talk about is absolutely spectacular. Yes, Magnus Walker did it. He's been a guest on the show here. In fact, he's coming back on the show here because he, he just wrote a biography. Send my regards to you. Absolutely. It's fantastic what you're doing. Keep it up. Keep us informed of what you're doing because it's, it's a way for us all to ride along with you. And that's what we all want to do. Well, here's a very introspective question for you. If Andre was a car, what kind of car would he be and why? Hmm. Um, look, I'm, I'm born under the sign of a Leo. And uh, I've got a very good friend that says there's only Leos and wannabes. And I would say in 1983, Porsche 911 Rothmans 956. Um, why? Because uh, we all know the Rothmans name connected to South Africa and the sponsorship uh, of the Rupert family. Um, historically, you know, the Gunston cars that came from here. We took almost the first steps in sponsorship of motorsport. But man, that 956, the three of them coming across the line, there was nothing wannabe in there. Yes. That was just horses here, 956 is winning, and, uh, and we're going to be here for a long time. And those cars you know, won well into the 1988s, I think even as late as 1989. And across the world, it had amazing career. So what would I be? A 956. I love it. Very, very nice. I think you're the first 956 here on the show, too, which, of course, makes you very unique, which you are. Well, Andre, up next is the last lap. But before we put the pedal to the metal, let's say thank you to today's Cars Yeah! sponsors. If you own collector cars and still have a little bit of money left over, Congratulations. You're ahead of most people, but what should you do with the money you don't spend on cars? Talk to Chris Kimball, Certified Financial Planner Practitioner. For over 20 years, he's been helping people just like you and me with their financial planning and investments. And he's a car guy too. Call 253-722-PLAN. Or you can view his website at www.chrisvkimball.com. Make sure your investments are running on all eight cylinders, or 12, or 16. Securities through Money Concepts Capital Corp. Member, Finra Sipic. Do you know the best way to protect your vehicle, both the exterior and the interior, is with a car cover? I've been using Covercraft car covers since 1975. That's right, 1975. It's a fast, easy, and inexpensive way to keep your vehicle looking new. Covercraft has been manufacturing premium quality exterior and interior covers for over 50 years with a stellar reputation for durability and design. They're the world's largest manufacturer of custom patterned vehicle covers that are crafted to fit over 80,000 patterns and growing. They are the only cover I'll put on my vehicles. You can choose from a wide variety of fabrics, styles, colors, and more. From full cover designs for factory to custom-made vehicles, plus convertible top covers, trucks, truck cab coolers, motorcycles, scooters, ATVs, trailers, campers, personal watercraft, and a wide variety of custom features. 
Covercraft is the right choice. Learn more today at Covercraft.com and tell them Mark sent you. That's Covercraft.com. All right, Andre, we are back to this journey we're having today with you and your life with cars. I'm going to fire off a series of questions for you and ask you to give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So here we go. What's the best automotive advice you've ever received? You need to understand the car before you try and get the best out of it. Understand it and don't jump to point two before you've applied point one. Understand the car. Very well said. Now, is there a personal habit that you have that you think has contributed to your successes over the years? I think I'm relentlessly meticulous in my planning and preparation, and uh, that builds success. Absolutely, especially on the track. I've had so many racers on the show that say the race is won before you get to the track, and that is in the preparation. So very well said. Now, do you have a resource that you think our listeners would really enjoy that you enjoy as well? You know, the new WhatsApp, WhatsApp groups that's been created, uh, we've got the Porsche one in South Africa. I follow a few internationally, and I just find them absolutely amazing because the wonderful thing about them is it's a community that shares together. And if I would join the Bonsai uh, Tree uh, WhatsApp group, I'll give myself away in 22 seconds flat. Why? Because I, don't, I, I shouldn't belong there. I think those type of, I call it a chat room, one can participate in it whenever you want to. If you just listen and read, you learn so much. So they're available. They're around us. Um, you don't have to go and buy a book. You don't have to go and do anything. Put on those groups and just follow it. Uh, pick the one that's good for you and participate. I think it's amazing. Now, I'm not real aware of this. How do you spell that? Is it WhatsApp? Yeah. So WhatsApp is W-A-Z-Z-A-P-P. WhatsApp. Um, it's, a, it's a company that was developed. It's an internet system. I've seen Americans don't actually use it that much, but it's large in the world. So it's a grouping function, very much the same as Facebook, but it's only on the mobile telephone. You link into it and, uh, and you then share. So WhatsApp. Very nice. Now, if I could arrange for you to have a drink with anyone in the automotive industry or field, living or deceased, who would that person be? Edson Senna. Oh, yes. Without a shadow of a doubt. The man was so mysterious. You know, he was dedicated. He was complex. Um, I saw the video the other day again where he was leading by 18 seconds in the Monaco Grand Prix. And he still set faster and faster and faster laps. And he crashed ultimately. And he didn't win that race. But the dedication and the focus was larger than himself. It could only be Ayrton Senna. Yes, I I just uh I love everything about what he did. In fact, I have one of his quotes on my business card. I like that guy so much. So uh Well I'm I'm preaching to the converted. You are, you are. Well, how about a book? Is there a book you've read lately that you think our listeners would really enjoy? I would go for an older book. I was sixteen when I read Atlas Shrugget, uh, written by the very famous Ayn Rand, you know, a Russian immigrant to America, um yeah. philosopher and what about that book? You know, the John Galt of the world, also automotive, saying, I will stop the engine of the world. That book made a lasting impression on me, and I find read it every year again. So, uh, great book, and uh, the principles, broadly, one can criticize it, but they remain sometimes very Absolutely. I need to pick that book up again. And one of my favorites, I introduced my children to that book when they were in high school, and my son in particular 
fell in love with Ayn Rand and all of her books, but that book in particular. And we still have nice conversations about that as it relates to things happening today, too. So it is one of those special books for sure. Well, listeners, you can find links to all of these wonderful resources that Andre has been so kind to share today on his show notes page on the Cars Yeah website. Just go to CarsYeah.com, type in Andre, and his last name is a little bit unique. I'll spell it for you. B-E-Z, or Zet, as you would say in South Africa, U-I-D-E-N-H-O-U-T, or just Andre, and that page will pop up and you can find links to all these wonderful resources he's been so kind to share. All right, Andre, we're up to the fun part here. This last bit and this last question can be a little bit of a doozy, though. Today, I'm going to buy you a very cool collector car, but that means you can only have one in your garage. I know, as he wipes his brow here, <laughs> we're on Skype today. Uh, you can't sell it to buy a bunch of other toys with. That little trick is off the table. You got to keep it and, more importantly, drive it. But I know you do drive your cars, but money's no object today, so don't, don't worry about that. What would that car be and why? Porsche 1972 911 ST. In my view, the perfect composition of a car, 2.4 uh, cylinders, 2.4 cc, 2,400. The engine revs to eight and a half thousand, nine thousand comfortably. Think about it in 1972. You know, uh, 9,200 now is the top end of, uh, of road cars. The car's light. It's nimble. It's bloody sexy from behind. If, uh, if you think cars are sexy <laughs> and, you know, whenever people see this car still today, I mean, look at Singer, you know, that, that's the ultimate support for my view. They recreating a car that is a 911 SD huge, huge following in the world. So I think that's the one that I would go for, 1972, 911 ST, had a fantastic history, um, and I will pick that one. I would be perfectly happy with one of those in my garage as well. Yeah, Rob uh, Dickinson of Singer was a guest here on the show, and what he's doing and what he's building, and all these other builders that are building all sorts of wonderful replicas of older RSRs and S's and race cars and clones of RS Carreras. I mean, that era of car, maybe it's because of our age group. That was when I was in high school. Yes. You know, I looked at those cars and went, oh, I had a friend who had a, his dad had one. He let me drive it, and it was just... Ah, uh, yes. Well, I will have some fun searching the world for one of those for you. What color would you like yours to be? Uh, look, those cars had a, you know, the, the racing colors that they were painted in made them so attractive, the LaRousse car. You know, we know them now by everybody refers to a martini car. They they became known as to the colors that they carry. But in my view, the ivory white, just off white, almost shell color, it's soft on the eye. It shows all the lines. Um Go for Very nice. My 72S was an ivory car. So uh, there you go. Well, I know where that maybe we could turn that S into an ST. Some out there right now cringing at the idea of sacrilege of sacrificing. My car was an all original car, which made it quite special. But uh, we'll see what we can find for you, Andre. Well, you've taken me on an awesome a worldwide ride. I knew you would. And I've really enjoyed getting to know you better. I want to thank you for sharing your automotive journey with the Cars Yow listeners and me. Could you offer us one parting piece of wisdom or guidance before you rip off into somewhere in the world in that 72 911 ST? Look, without being over-philosophical, you know, in the time of day that we're living in, I think we, we've got so many approaches that influences the minds. But to me, I think the appreciation that none of us is the center of the universe. And we've got the ability in a very short period of life 
to share our passion and our learnings with other people. And we must make the most of it. Uh, it, it is only there for a short period. 20 or 40 years from now on, most of the people that you lay your eyes on won't be there. So, man, why don't we make this count? Um, share the goodwill of people. Inherently, people are good. You know, and if we, if we continue to build on that, there's no reason why we can't close the gaps in, in a society that sometimes appears so, so obvious. And, you know, the type of thing that you're doing, getting enthusiasts in a specific field together, I mean, compliments, 847, 74 interviews, great work that you're doing. And I mean, listen to the people that you've had before. Um, I'm just privileged to be a part of your show and, uh, and sharing my little views from dark Africa with you. But what shall I say? Thank you very much for having me here. Well, thank you. The honor's all mine. And this is fun. This thing, this journey I'm doing called Cars Yeah, bringing people together, sharing stories and my mantra, inspiring automotive enthusiasts. You are indeed an inspiring automotive enthusiast, Andre. So thank you very much. Now, what's the best way for people, our listeners, to follow along with what you're doing? You mentioned Instagram, right? Yeah, we we are on Instagram on the handle, which is Frisco, F-R-I-S-C-O underscore 911. Frisco underscore 911. You can follow us and we hopefully will be in the USA within a year and a half, God willing. And, you know, send us the notes and certainly we will meet all of those uh, well-known people hope to meet up with you, Mark, and uh, and just spend some time there. Looking forward to having an amazing time in your wonderful country. Well, I look forward to it when you make your way to the Pacific Northwest, which we have some wonderful driving roads up here, beautiful trees, forests. I think you'll enjoy it. Please look me up. We will definitely get together and uh, have a beer or a cup of coffee, whatever you enjoy when you uh, get to this part of the world. But the United States certainly has a lot to offer travelers from around the world. So we look forward to you visiting our country. Listeners, you can find links again to everything Andre's been so kind to share today on his show notes page here on the Cars yeah! website. Just type Andre in that search bar and that page will pop up. Andre, thank you again for being so generous today with your time and expertise and for sharing your incredible experiences in life with my listeners here on Cars yeah! Until you and I talk again, I'll see you down the road. Mark, thank you very much. Uh, from South Africa, just condolences to those people in Las Vegas. So uh, we've heard the terrible news, you know, shocking and uh, our deepest sympathy and goes uh, to everybody. You're a brave nation. Thank you very much. We appreciate it. Goodbye. Take care. What's every automotive enthusiast dream? To design and build that perfect garage. My friends at Metron Garage are a group of creative talents who've combined their passion for cars with their careers in architecture. Their service includes unique garage design and state-of-the-art fabrication. They will create the coolest custom garage for you and your vehicles. Metron Garage's system features fully engineered commercial-grade material and structural framing that's stronger than traditional construction. Their designs are pre-engineered to meet your building codes for fast, bolt-together construction. With over 25 years of experience, You'll see a 3D rendering to visualize your custom garage, and the final structure will fulfill all your storage needs. Contact Metron Garage today and begin realizing your dream garage. Go to metrongarage.com. That's metrongarage.com. Garage is built for discerning enthusiasts. Where it's not just a garage, it's where your dream garage comes true. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah! 
Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up, a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!